Hi there. Thank you for joining us on this week's sermon podcast of Living Word Pretoria East. We believe that this message will bless your heart and enrich your walk with Jesus. I believe that, that God has given us a new wineskin in this season. I want to talk about it prophetically and what God is busy doing, not just in, 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 in the earth, but I believe also with us as a church. All right? And God's releasing a new pattern and a new wineskin in the season. And not just for the body, but for us as a church. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. And I want to read. We're going we're gonna to have a, a foundation in the Bible. And then I just want to share my heart. Matthew 3. We're going to put that up from verse 1. Because in a time of transition, it's, it's, there's, there's a couple of things that can hinder us. There's a couple of things that can prevent us. There's a couple of things that can become stumbling blocks. And I want to I wanna come and start laying a foundation because if we want to go somewhere else, we need to shift our minds and we also need to be taught, we need teaching so that we can make a transition because we cannot enter a new thing with an old mindset. Because if we think the old way, how many of you have tried to solve something in your life but you've tried to solve it with the same thing the whole time? You're doing the same thing over and over as they say, ne? but you're, trying, you're expecting different results. Okay. They have a word for that. Okay? If you're trying the same thing over and over, but you think it's going to result in something different. So to enter into a new season, we, we cannot go in with an old mindset. And new mindset comes by the word, renewing of your mind, because the Bible says we've got the mind of Christ. And when we have the word, God shapes our minds and our hearts for this new season. Who have you felt in this season that maybe... You need to just do something else. You need to move house, or you need to move this, or you need to uproot, you need to go somewhere. All right? Amen. And I want to I wanna tell you it's because what God is doing in the spirit, it's not necessary that you need to go somewhere else. But you feel something, and God wants to bring shift. I believe that the theme for this year, mobilization, um, to prepare a people for a group for a specific purpose, and a theme, let's move, is because God is doing certain things. A couple of people came from last year because you, you already feel the new year, new year vibe year around about November, isn't it? You start feeling, anticipating for what God's going to do in the next season. And, and just the amount of people that came and said, hey, we started a new business, we moved into this, we moved house, we've done this. God, there's a movement. God is busy doing things. And let's read Matthew 3, verse 1, because if you don't understand, or if you're going to try with your human mind, old mindset, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna struggle. You're going you're gonna to miss what God wants to do. All right, so are you ready? Let's read. Matthew 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness in Judea. And he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Praise God, we don't eat like that anymore. <laughs> Actually, we do, because that's a specific diet God gives you when you're in the wilderness. Amen. And he says something interesting. He says, repent for the kingdom. That was Jesus' message. But he precedes him. He, he goes before him and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And repent means this word again, metaneo. Ne? Metaneo. Which means, it, it says, think differently. Think differently. Change your mind. Change your thinking. There's something else. For the kingdom is now here. 
The kingdom has come. Come on. So John is starting to announce something different. He says that, that what I'm announcing now, what, what, what's coming is different than the old system that you were used to. You with me? Judaism, the Jews, they had all this years and laws and things. And, and he's starting to announce that the kingdom is coming. He says that there's a system that you're used to, but there's something different coming from that what you are used to. And sometimes, how many of us got used to an old system? And we got very comfortable in that old system, isn't it? We like our comfort because we don't like, we, we, wanna, we want predictable. We don't want the unpredictable. So we got used to our old system and we want to keep it sometimes, but God is moving. God is shifting. He says, I, I'm announcing something new to you. Come on. I'm announcing to you something else. And that's why God is starting to detach certain things in your life so that he can move you. He's announcing certain new things. Verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him and says, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. You see, and sometimes we have this thing, he says, No, 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 Lord, you come, I, I need to be baptized by you. He says, No, for certain things to be fulfilled in Scripture and all the Word, I need to be baptized by you in the season. I need to, to, to do this. And the word says, and Jesus was baptized, you know the story and the voice confirming this is my beloved son. And it says, and then the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. That shakes our theology. Because the Spirit of God took him to be tempted by, by the enemy. And now John takes on certain strongholds. He's taking on Herod who took his brother's wife and all these things. And he's, as a prophet, he exposes certain things. And he's arrested and he's put in jail. And it says Matthew 4 now. After Jesus' trials and, and, and um, in the wilderness says, When he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he started teaching that what John started to prepare the way. Voice in the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord. The kingdom is at hand. That what John started to announce, Jesus says, it has come. It is now here. That what you've heard, the new system, the new thing that I want to do, the new pattern, it has come. It is here now. And, and, and John announces a new move, a new dispensation. And Christ comes and he says, hey, here now the kingdom has come. I, I introduced you the way of the king now. Because there was the Judaism, there was the Pharisees, they had lots of rules, they had lots of regulations and things that they had to, to do in, in order how to serve God and what they need to do. And Jesus says, hey, I'm coming, one of the things that I'm telling you is that my yoke is easy. It's not burdensome. We, we're not coming to add more load on you. I'm actually, I'm coming to take off load from you. Because to follow me is not burdensome, it's easy. And sometimes some of us, we struggle, we think we need to, we said it this morning, we need to suffer all the time. God says, yes, if you follow me, there's going to be persecution. But he says, there's a, there's a grace that I give you and there's a burden that is yoke, is light upon us. Amen. So Jesus, I'm just giving a bit of background where we're going. So Jesus gathers disciples, people start following him, and they become interested in what God is teaching, what he's teaching. 
That's now Matthew 7. So it's 3, 4, Matthew from, from 5. It's the Beatitudes that we get. And 6, he speaks about the kingdom. And he, he touches on all these things. How we should give. What's the golden rule. How we judge one another. And all, you know, you know that. So he teaches all these things. Lots of things. And then it says, Matthew 7, when Jesus finished these sayings, think about a long sermon, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He teaches. And they say, they were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. What was Jesus doing? He was busy addressing religious systems. The, the mindset, Judaism of the day, and the Pharisees, he come against all these things because he says, you've been formed into a pattern. You've been formed into a mold. You've been pushed into religion. And he started to shape them and says, I'm taking on the system of religion because all the things that has become stumbling blocks actually now for you to enter the kingdom. Because he announces the way of the kingdom and says the kingdom has come, but he had to start teaching them to change their minds to enter the kingdom. Because they didn't understand. They want it. You desire it, isn't it? You desire it, but sometimes your mind comes in the way and you struggle to enter that what God has for you. So we had to start teaching them the, the right ways. How, how do we judge and how do we love one another? How do we live with our neighbors? How do we seek the kingdom of God? Blessed is you, poor in spirit. All these things. He teaches. Golden rule. That what you want to do to yourself, do to others. All these things. And he, he demonstrates to them something different. So he's, he's taking on a stronghold and he starts shifting their minds. And then Matthew 9 we have this. He says, then the disciples of John. So remember, John was a voice in the wilderness. He had followers. He had disciples. And now they come because they're in this pattern. They're in this form and in this religious system, Judaism. And they have all these laws that they have to upkeep. They have all these rituals that they have to do. And now they come to him and he says, hey, we disciples of John, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So they ask and says, here's the system, here's the law, here's the pattern. We've been doing it years and years and years. We fast, Pharisees fast, but your disciples, they're with you. Why don't you fast? And he says this, can a wedding guest mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear, or a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so that both are preserved. Interesting. So, so they ask a question about why don't you fast? Why don't you follow the system? Why don't you follow religion as we've been doing all these years? And he says, because you don't get it. I've come to introduce the kingdom. I come to introduce a new way of living. I come to introduce that what the covenant says, I didn't come to abolish the law, take away. I came to fulfill, but there's something new. There's a new grace. There's a new covenant that I'm bringing. And he says, so, so the problem we have is we're trying to think with an old mindset into a new thing. He says, you cannot put new wine in an old wineskin. Wineskin, he says, you cannot take the new and receive the new if you have an old mindset. 
Your mind cannot grasp it. Your mind won't understand it. Your spirit wants to do one thing, but the rest is not going to make sense. Because what? The wineskin expands, isn't it? So, so it expands while it's fermenting. So they, 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 they fermented the, the wine in a half process, and then they put it in so that it can complete the process. But for that, because of the, the, the gas that's still released, you know, that the, the wineskin expands. And an old wineskin has expanded to its capacity. We have grown to capacity to that measure. And if you put something new, if there's a new pouring of a new wine, it doesn't have space to expand. And, and he says, therefore, new wine requires a new wineskin. Come on, I'm going to speak here, but I'm also going to speak there. So you need to understand. Amen. And he says, you cannot put a new move into an old mold on an old system because the old mold has already reached its climax. It reached its capacity. It's been developed and it's been stretched and it, it doesn't have room to expand anymore. So, so it's great because you need a new system for a new wine. If there's a new pouring, you're going to need a new wine scheme. And, and the old form, there's no room for that expansion. We cannot try to fit a new thing in an old one because it's become rigid. Now, just to say this, there's nothing wrong with an old wine scheme. Okay? Not every time there's a new wine, we, there's nothing wrong with an old wine scheme. But this is the thing. The old wine scheme can take old wine. There can be a constant filling of a mature wine and it will not expand because the process has been completed. Okay? So, so but it, an old wine skin cannot take the new because that process requires expansion. That process wants to grow. That, that process wants to, to move. So nothing wrong with an old wine skin. The problem comes is when you put new wine in an old wine skin. Come on. That's the problem. And then Jesus says, now when John... Uh, that's now, now, now that was Matthew seven, uh, 8, 9. 9. Then in Matthew 11, we find this. So, so he's in prison. Remember, his disciples come and says, why don't you keep all these laws? Why don't you fast? And he explains this thing about there's a new wine. Therefore, you need a new wine scheme. I'm doing something new in the earth. John in prison says, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Wow. Can you hear what's happening here? In, in Matthew 3, John says, I'm preparing the way. Behold the one to come, the Lamb of God. I'm, I'm announcing the way of the kingdom. He is the Messiah, the way, the truth, and the life. He prepares the way. And in Matthew 11, in prison, he says, Are you the one or should we look for another? What happened, John? You were the voice preparing the way. You were the voice saying something's coming. This is the one. Behold the Lamb of God. And now suddenly, chapter 11, you say, Are you really the one or should we look for another? What happened, John? You were in the new. You were the leader. But your wine scheme became rigid. You wanted to pour new wine into an old wine scheme. And you didn't have room to expand or to contain the new. That's what happens. He got stuck in prison. And now suddenly his mind cannot take on the new. He tries to pour the new thing into an old wineskin. The new requires a new wineskin. And it's interesting because Matthew eleven four, Jesus answers them and says, Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. 
The lame walk, lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He says, go tell John what's happening. That what you've said, I'm coming. The blind are seeing, the lame are walking, all these things. And so just by the way, blessed is he who is not offended by me. That word offended is, is scandalizo. Scandalizo meaning a trap or a snare. When we become offended, it says that it is a trap or a snare. We get caught up in our offense. One of the definitions says to put a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which you can trip or fall. One of the meanings of, of that scandalizo is to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. To start distrust and desert the one who he ought to trust and obey. What happens? Jesus says, oh, John, here's your problem. You tried to put new wine in an old wineskin and you became offended. You started to distrust the one that you ought to obey and trust. Something has happened. Something has happened. And I want to tell you this morning, this season, guard the territory of your heart. You need to guard your heart. The word says from there is the issues of life. Life flows. Negativity is the default setting of an unrenewed mind. We become negative, pessimistic. We have all these things to say, never seeing a good thing. Always have an opinion. Always it becomes the, 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 the default setting of an of a unrenewed mind. An unrenewed mind is always waging war against unbelief. I mean, you're praying for faith, you're praying for that, but you never enter that. You never arrive at that place. You're always pushing, but never get there because of an offense. And that's why Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What? That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. So a renewed mind, what? Helps you to discern what is God's will for your life. If you, if you have an unrenewed mind, you don't know what's God's will. You struggle to see the way. You struggle to see the will of God and what He has for you. Therefore, you need to renew your mind. So, so you see, some of us, we've allowed offense to cloud our discernment. And we started to distrust and desert that what we should actually trust and obey. Do I need to say that again? We've allowed offense to come and cloud our discernment you followed someone and now suddenly you don't understand anymore so so you're not discerning you get offended and now instead of trusting and instead of of obeying and following you start to distrust you start to desert you start to move away you see we say that 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 if say pastor Eckert and i when he stops speaking to me i know that there's something wrong if you're starting to avoid people, there's offense. But you become clouded. And suddenly we start doing certain things where, oh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not trusting this anymore. I'm not. And do you know where it affects it? Let me tell you. Suddenly you stop giving, stop sowing, tithes, offerings, the flow that's in your life. All those things you start to desert. You start to distrust. You start pulling away. That's what offense does in our hearts. Am I harsh this morning? Am I hard or do I speak the truth in love? <laughs> Maybe this is better. You need to repent. You need to renew your mind. Isn't it? You see, we're after that what God has for your life. 
I can do lots of other things as well. Ministry is not always easy, but I know I've got a call. I know that God has ordained me for something specific, and I'm pushing and chasing because not just for me, but what God has for you. God has entrusted you to us in the season so that we can take you further. We can take you to what God has for you. Amen? So, so you need to come back to fullness of family. That's what I believe. So, so one of the things and the patterns I believe that God wants to lay down in the season is family. How much of family has been lost? How much of family has been stolen? We, we just do our things. While I was now in California, last year, it was interesting. Last year, this time, they overruled abortion. So, so the governor, so the, the law came out and they said that, that the, the states, because they've got, all diff- they've got different types of laws, but the, the state of California overruled abortion and some other states as well. The governors started to support, say, we're not allowing it. We're not supporting this. And this year, whilst, whilst I was there, they, through the night, they just got a message that there was a law that passed that from seven years of age, you can do a sex change without the consent of your parents. So listen how sick the world is. You cannot get piercings or earrings if you're seven unless your parents give permission. But you go and do a sex change without their permission. And if they oppose you, they can be locked up in jail. That's sick. That's sick. That's, God wants to restore family. Remember Father's Day, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you, that God wants to connect the generations so that the, the multi-generational blessing can start flowing. God wants to act so the enemy wants to destroy. So, so God, you come from a family. Amen. You were born into a family. You were raised by a family. You were sent from a family. Come on. God, make you to give birth to your own family. We belong. The kingdom is about family law. So, so the, the wineskin and that what God wants to do where he wants to take us is we need to let go of old things and we need to take on the new. Psalm 127 says it so beautifully. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build in labor or, or those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the word house is the Hebrew word bayath, that means family. He says, unless God builds family, those who build labor in vain. All right? House is interesting. It's a picture of a tent or a house. The, 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 the picture graphs or the, the hieroglyphs or ancient Hebrews and pictures. Words are pictures. And the word for, for house is a picture of a, a, a house or a tent and a cross which is a marker, which means that you mark something. How many know that your family mark is the name that you carry? Your name is the mark of the family that you carry as the patriarch, the house of Jacob, Abraham, your father, those things, you know, so it's a, it's a mark. What does God says? What is his marker for his house? He says, the house of God shall be called a house of prayer. 
I want to say, if you want more, we're going to have to enter into a time of prayer. We're going to have to enter into a time of not just casually inquiring. We're going to have to enter into a time where we're really going to start seeking the face of God. And we're going to start doing that as a church, as a family. Not just at your home. We're going to have dedicated times. We're going to have prayer meetings. We're going to start seeking God. If you want stuff to shift in your life, if you want change, if we wanted more, that hunger, we're going to have to stand up. And we have to give the sacrifice. So he says the house of God is called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. So I'm not just talking about the intercession Sunday mornings. I'm talking about a lifestyle. One of the things that God's been talking to me is that we need, again, the restoration of discipline in our lives. There's discipline that needs to come back in our lives. Because we don't, we lack, the, when the world look at us as Christians, we're a joke. Because we say something, but we look differently. We this and we that. We need to have discipline back in our lives. The Lord comes, He says, those who He disciplines, He loves, means that you belong to Him. Come on. But too long we've made it fleshly and Paul says it. He says, why? Don't let your freedom end up at the other side again. And we've allowed, we, I think that we've allowed our freedom now to become so free that we, we ended up at the other side again. God says, I love you, then I discipline you. He says, unless the Lord builds family, are you still okay? Good. Me too. Unless the Lord builds family, we build in vain. That word build is bana. It means to obtain offspring. So he says, unless God is building family, we who wants to try to obtain offspring and fill the house, we do it in vain. God needs to do something. It's interesting because he says, those who build obtain offspring. The picture there is again the picture of a tent and a little thing like a seed or it looks like a little sperm seed. All right? And the, the thing is that it's a sprouting seed. It represents the continuity of the seed that continues into the next generation and the next. You see, when God is after the generations, it's only belonging in family. That's why it says God builds a house. He builds family. And when He builds family, if you want to build with God, if you want to obtain offspring, it needs, there needs continuity. There needs to be a connection of generations. It means how do we build relationships? How do we know each other's names? Eh? All right, when we talk, when, when there's 10 new visitors and they introduce themselves to me, I can maybe remember two. All right? Don't want to boast and say, I actually remember seven. That's not true. Because it's too much. But if we sit table to table and we fellowship, then I will know your name. Isn't it? And family, how much do we speak about the restoration of the table in the house? Eat supper together, live together, be together, sit around the table, isn't it? Because that's where relationship is built. That's how we build family, is when we're together there. So unless God builds the family, and unless we want to build with Him, then He says not to labor in vain means that, that we need to connect the generations. There needs to be continuity. And it's interesting that we need to follow God's pattern, all right? We cannot build outside of God's pattern. That's why it's so important in this season when we speak about a new wineskin and a new wine that He wants to pour, that we follow God's pattern. Because look at this. He says that those who labor, labor then in 
vain. The, the word labor says this. It's a labor that causes grief. It's a labor that causes pain or weariness. Or one of the things says it's perverseness. And when I saw this word as one of the, the, the translations for labor in vain is perverseness, I realized, wow. Listen to this. When we try to build outside of family, because unless God builds the house, unless God builds family, we end up trying to do things in vain. He says, unless we follow God's pattern, we're going to build in perverted ways. We're going to build skew. We're going to follow, not God's pattern. We're going to become perverse in our way. We're going to have all the things and gimmicks to stimulate this and grow this and do that. And God says, no, I've got a pattern. And unless you follow my pattern, it's going to be perverse. Come on. God wants to do something His way. And when we speak of transition now, because I believe, not just I believe, I know we are in transition. All right? And we're going to start sharing a bit more because this church is going somewhere. We are going somewhere. All right? And we've got lots of stuff to share with you, lots of news, but I, start to, I need to lay a foundation that your minds can be renewed. Amen? So that we can take on the new. Transition means a process or a period of changing. From one state or condition to another. In other words, one state or condition, you're going to look different. When you transition, you're not going to look the same. You're going to look different. Come on. Who of you wants to look the same? Praise God. All right. Almost got you. <laughs> so therefore, we need a renewed mind. Amen. So I'm laying foundation. I'm, I'm speaking. I'm not teaching today. Although there is some teaching. But we, we're in a season where you need to renew your mind. In other words, we need to take on the new wine scheme. We need to understand what the Spirit of God is doing and what it looks like, and then we need to take on that. In other words, if we're going to pour new wine into the old, it's going to burst. It says it's going to go to waste. So we need to take a new wine skin for that, new wine. In other words, it's crucial not to build perversely with human efforts, our great plans, our thinking, wow, this is going to work. We have to build God's way. Amen? God's way. And this is the thing. Sometimes we don't want to be pregnant with something because we lose our shape. We don't want to be pregnant because we lose our shape. We love our bodies too much, isn't it? We feel comfortable in our bodies, but you've been made to carry something. And sometimes we don't want to carry that. We don't want to become pregnant because now, oh, you know, I looked so nice and now look at me. And therefore, then we'll rather, we'll skip to carry the seed and the destiny because we love and we, we don't love our flesh, come on. We're lovers of God. I know it's difficult because what? When you carry something, when you're pregnant, wow, okay, you lose shape. But there's lots of other stuff, isn't it? You have hormones. You have emotions, isn't it? You feel uncomfortable. But God wants you to carry destiny. God wants you to carry destiny. And, and transition means that you, you move now. When you carry something, you move from just being a husband and a wife. You move to become a father and a mother. You look different. You talk different. You see different. You think different. Okay? So when transition comes, you're going to shape differently. You're going to look different. And tell your neighbor, you carry a nation inside of you. Come on. Only some of you are obedient. Tell your neighbor, you carry a nation inside of you. In other words, when you come out, they come out. When you come out, they come out. Amen? 
This is our problem, Ezekiel 22, 30. He says, I sought, a man, uh, I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me in the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. God says, I was looking for a man who can fill the gap, but there was no one. My question is, if you want more, if you want, there's, there's more than beyond the, what we just worshipped. I want to tell you, I'm frustrated in this season with the worship and all these things because there's more. But we're not going to get the more unless we change things, unless we start to get a hunger. The thing is, can we stand in the gap? Can you stand in the gap? Can you bring the glory of God? Can you bring that? Can you? Who wants the fire of God? Okay. Come on, I'll ask that again we'll, for those who are asleep. Who wants the fire of God? Amen. Before the fire of God can burn in a nation, God needs a sacrifice. You see, we want the fire, but God says, are you willing to become the sacrifice? Because before the fire comes, he needs a, God doesn't send fire to an empty altar. It's when you lay something down, God will come and he will bring the fire. And he says, I had no one to stand in the gap. There's Oh, everybody says the fire, but I had no one to say, I'll be the sacrifice that the fire can come. So my question is, are you willing to become a sacrifice? Are you willing to pay a price because it's going to cost us? If I say, hey, from tomorrow, we're going to have every night, six to seven, we're going to have prayer meetings. We're going to have. And after one week, what then? You're going to get tired. It's busy. There's programs. There's things it's going to require a sacrifice if you want God's fire, isn't it? You see, that's why we don't like to be pregnant because we lose our shape. We lose our comfort. And it's not easy. But you can either carry a nation and destiny or you can be barren. You choose. But God says it's going to cost you. Because he says there's the consistent prayer of a righteous makes great, tremendous power available. It's James 5. James 5, 16. He says, confess, interesting, confess and acknowledge how you have. Where's that scripture? Can you put it up for us? Uh, just say again. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Oh, that's a, that's a wrong scripture. This translation that I have here, I think it's the Passion or somewhere. It says, confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. In other words, cause to distrust and desert instead of trust and obey. He says, pray for one another and you will be instantly healed. Tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. When we start praying, tremendous power is released. But it's going to cost us. When we start praying, tremendous power is being released. We need to understand the wine scheme, what God wants to do. It's not going to be comfortable. Why? New wine and a new wine skin is doing what? It expands. Who? <laughs> now ask me the whole time if I make a sound. It sounds like do 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 how? Do 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 do. Okay? It makes expands. So God wants you to expand, so you're gonna be pushed. Amen. Because my house shall be called, the marker of my name shall be called the house of prayer. 
You see, God has poured out His fire before. But is there any house that's been able to sustain the fire? God has done it before. But He says, is there a house that's willing to sustain the fire? Because God says this, when I come and I lit the altar, He says, never let the fire on the altar go out. And then He says, my house shall be called the house of prayer. You see, it's our task to maintain that fire. Again, to expand with the new. You know our problem? Why we struggle? We've been taught escapism, not to occupy. We've been taught that, hey, God's going to rescue from all the things. God's going to rescue from the devil. He's going to just beam us up away from here, isn't it? And he says, no, I want you to occupy. The kingdom has come, rule, reign, have dominion. Take the city. Come on. But we have a mindset of escapism that we're going to miss this. We're going to, you know, God says, no, you need to occupy. We want the glory, right? Glory produces equilibriums. It balances out. In other words, when God sent his glory, he says, then two by two, he sent them out and they changed the city. They made havoc of the city, all right? They turned the city upside down. My question the whole time is, is if we have a word and we say, can a nation come back to God and how are we going to take the city? How are we going to do it? We need the glory so that the glory can come and bring that equilibrium. But glory, when it comes, glory moves you into divine order. It moves you away from your ways. That's what glory does. Because we have our ways. And, and that's why I felt God saying, He's shifting us again from, from our worship to vertical worship. About Him. Your ministry unto the Lord. We've sang too much songs about how we feel and how great He is. And it's good. We can celebrate and we can have fun. But where's that aspect where we have the reverence of the Lord? We have the fear of God where there's worship. Where we, we, we minister unto the Lord. Because churches are carnal. There's too many churches that serve the flesh. We've lost the spirit. Amen. Praise God. There's one amen. You see, the glory comes and moves us into divine order. Glory brings that equilibrium. They go out two by two and they turn the city upside down. It must start in the church, but it mustn't stay here. It starts here at an altar. It starts in this place, but then it goes out to the schools. It goes out into your workplace. Come on. It goes out. The glory needs to go. It needs to do something. God wants to unleash a new wine. But then it means that we need to leave some things behind. We need to leave. So, so if God says, I'm bringing a new wine, there's a new wine scheme, it means that you need to get out of the old. God is directing us, I'm ending off, to prepare our wine skins. I hope that you hear this morning of the Spirit, what God wants to do, and that, that your heart will starting, start to move. That God doesn't want you to stay the same. That, that show me by hand, who of you feel very frustrated? Come on. Can you point to that frustration and say what it exactly is or you just feel that? It's difficult. But it's because God doesn't want to leave us. God doesn't want us to stay the same. God wants to stir you. So in your frustration, God's trying to get your attention so that He can tell you what's next. 
Because God wants to get your attention saying, I'm doing a new thing in the earth. So God is preparing us for a new wine scheme. And, 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 and what it means is that that what is old must be renewed by the Spirit. That what's outdated must be remodeled in our lives. Come on. That what is ineffective must be replaced. I'm saying it over and over and over again. I believe God used COVID to rid the church of a lot of stuff that we're supposed not to do. And it's if everybody held up their breaths and when they open and says, church can start again, it's like, thank God, now we can just continue again, doing all the things that we've done before. And I believe God says, no, I want to rid the church of many forms and structures and patterns and man-made things. I want to bring my glory. But I want to change you. I cannot because as soon as lockdown stopped and we, we went back into an old wineskin, and there's no space because it's rigid. I want to pour out my new wine, but I'm going to require a new wine scheme. And are we willing to leave behind when God wants to do a new thing? Don't resist. Don't resist when God wants to do something new. I'm almost done. You see, Jesus comes and he tells John the Baptist, his disciples, he tells them, he says, hey, you ask me about fast and why we don't? He says, because I'm announcing something new. You don't put new wine in an old wine skin because it's going to burst. I want to tell you, don't waste wine. Don't waste when God wants to pour out. Don't be an old wine skin. In, our, in other words, we need to break free from the fear of change. Because when we change, it's difficult because we fear. And then we, we want to stay in that comfort zone we want to stay in that shape we don't want to be pregnant because we lose shape so don't fear the change come on we must be willing to defy tradition can i get one amen okay we must ask the spirit for new strategies I believe one of the reasons you're frustrated is because we're doing the same thing, same thing, same thing, but we're trying to expect different results. God's saying, ah, in this season, listen to my voice. There's a new thing. When I'm pouring out a new wine, you need a new wine skin. Why did John leading the way? Because Jesus says, no man greater than John the Baptist. Of all the prophets, there's no one greater than him. He says, yet he who is least in the kingdom will be greater than he. Why? Because he who comes after him in the kingdom takes on the new wine scheme. He takes on the new wine. That what I'm bringing, that what I'm announcing, he takes on. John's wine skin became rigid and he wanted to pour new wine into the old. I want to tell you the new season, the new wine is going to require a new wine scheme. Amen. Come on, just close your eyes there where you sit. Thank you, Father. That as we prepare, I want you to do two things. We're going to prepare our hearts to bring an offering unto the Lord. And I believe that God is starting to prepare us for a season where He's going to require a sacrifice from you that's going to cost you. 
And I want you to start getting serious with the Lord because we cannot do the same things over and over again. God is releasing something new in the earth. And God has called you to carry destiny, not to be barren, but to carry nations inside of you and to give birth to destiny. Just for one moment, I want you to sit and say, Lord, where am I stuck in an old wineskin? Where am I stuck in an old wineskin? And I want you this morning to come and exchange your old wineskin for the new. You say, Father, I want to take on the new wineskin. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm going to give a moment that you, you, you ask God, what is it, the old wineskin that I need to break free from? Having fear of change, we're going to have to defy tradition because we've been doing the law for hundreds of years. We've been doing this thing. Why don't your disciples fast? He says, there's a time that will come that they will fast. But I'm pouring a new wine. And maybe we've been rigid and stuck and there's no room for expansion in your life because God says, I'm not going to pour in the old wine anymore. I'm pouring a new wine, a new flow, a new move, a new dispensation. And therefore, I require a new wineskin. And that you need to change. You need to come and bring and say, Lord, I'm willing to come and take this on. And I want you, my heart and my prayer this morning is that you come and you exchange your old wineskin for a new wineskin. But you need to decide. We're going to force you. We're going to tell you. We're going to hype you. I can say the Lord wants that for you. But you need to make a decision because it's going to cost you. God's going to require something of you in the season that's going to be a price. And as Jesus says, the wineskin, and then he says, oh, so by the way, don't be offended. I want you to look at your heart where you allowed offense, where you started to desert and distrust and move away from that which you're supposed to trust and obey there where you had to push in and says, Lord, although I don't understand, I will follow. Although I don't know, I will come and I will walk by faith. Although the picture is not clear, I trust you. But because of the clouded, the picture was not clear because of the clouded mind, because your discernment started to get clouded, you said, I'm rather pulling away, moving away. And you stepped into that trap, into that snare. You've allowed your heart to become offended. And God says, come. If you confess, I will heal you quickly. And then whatever you ask, because the prayer carries tremendous power. Your prayer carries tremendous power. So there's two things that's going to happen now. You're going to make a decision to change the old wineskin for the new. And you're going to get your seed ready to start sowing. Getting back in line with that. Even if you allowed your heart to be offended and cold, it affects you. 
And if there's no seed, there's no continuity for the generations. You need to ask God, whenever you receive seed, what is bread and what is seed? Bread is for eating. Seed is for sowing. In every season when God gives you something, there's a portion that you need to eat and there's a portion you need to sow. And we live by faith, not by sight. In other words, not what you see, but you live according to the principles of God. We've said it before, and I want to remind you of this. When there was famine in the land, God cut covenant with Abram. And when the famine comes, he says, Abram, move down to Egypt. In the next season, Isaac is there. And again, it says a great famine is in the land. And Isaac, because of his father, is on his way to Egypt. And God says, don't go to Egypt. Stay in the land. That season requires something different. Not as our fathers did. But what God says, the pattern is for the season. He says, stay in the land. And it says, and that year, he raped a hundredfold harvest. In the year of famine. You see, even though there's famine around you and you say, Lord, economy and this and that. If you stay in the place that God tells you and you sow a seed when the seed is there to sow, bread for eating, seed for sowing, you will reap a harvest. Come on. But we've started to live carnally. We've lost our vertical worship and we started to look at this and that. And when we sing all about ourselves and all these things, it actually becomes idolatry. So I'm done. I am. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to know more about our ministry, visit our website at lwpe.co.za. You are formed to function, so let's build.